This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. Um, we're going to be looking uh, again tonight at um, 1 Corinthians 2, but um, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we again are thankful to you, and Lord, we come tonight uh, looking to you for help, aid, Lord, in, in what we need here. We need understanding, and Father, we need uh, ability to apply these truths that we are learning here into our own lives. Lord, we, we want to grow, increase in our love for You and in the right uh, kind of knowledge of You, genuine knowledge of You. Lord, we want to grow in love, grace. And Father, we look to You. We, we are dependent upon You to make these things happen within us. We're so thankful, Lord, as we begin to talk about this morning for the work of Your Spirit within us, the demonstration of Your Spirit, of Your power at work in the hearts of Your people. And Father, we pray as always that all of these things will work together for our good, and that they may abound to Your glory. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before we proceed, are there any any questions on anything we've talked about so far um, in this text? 1 Corinthians? All right. So, up, up to where we are at this point, everything's crystal clear, right? <laughs> okay. <clears throat> okay. Well, I, I need to talk with you afterwards and see if I can clear some things up <laughs> for me. <laughs> okay. Um, no questions. All right. We're going to pick up where we left off this morning um, in verse 6. And remember... Uh, in, in fact, I need to, I do need to read, um, at least read verse 4 and 5 again, so we just kind of understand where we are. If you, you, Paul has been making his argument here for, um, the true wisdom and power of God. He's, he's been arguing against, um, what the, what the Corinthians seem to be, uh, enamored with, and that is the wisdom of men. And they, they seem to be, uh, uh, becoming focused on personalities and and uh, uh, manners of delivery and and even content other than um, that of the gospel, that which really matters, Christ and Him crucified. So, uh, one thing we want to do, and and this is what we see Paul doing here. I'm not sure I've I've, I've emphasized it quite this way or in these words enough, but I, but I do want to do that. Paul's theology, Paul's, Paul's preaching is all Christ-centered, Christocentric. So, I mean, when, when, you, when you think in terms of salvation and, and then even beyond that, growing 
as a Christian, maturing. He's never thinking apart from the Gospel, the core um, truths of the Gospel, Christ and Him crucified. Our our, our, um, justification purchased at the cross, right? And everybody... Everybody, every, every Christian pretty well understands that. We are, we are justified. Our sin is taken away. We are reconciled to God. Um, we, are, we are made right with Him. We are adopted into His family because of what Christ did at the cross. All of that is purchased at the cross. And we just, our group that meets in the back, we just read a great uh, section on adoption from J.I. Packer's book, Knowing God. And what an awesome, <laughs> what an awesome uh Scriptural truth uh, adoption is for us. Uh, I won't go over that here, but but just 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 amazing. Um, all of that is purchased at Calvary. What what we we I think maybe neglect to think about sometimes is that that's that's the same way we continue. So so growth, progress, maturity um, is going to come the same way. I mean, it's all purchased by what Christ did Christ did at the cross at Calvary. And um, we, we are just as dependent on Christ's work and, and the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. We are just as dependent upon God's work for our, for our spiritual growth as we are for regeneration and justification uh, initially. Okay, so, um, so Paul's message is, is, is summed up. It's not that... All he talked about was the death of Christ. We know that's not true because uh, he, he preached the resurrection, for example. I mean, you're going to find examples of that in, in the book of Acts. That's not what he means when he says, I determined to know nothing among you save Christ and Him crucified. Um, what, what he means is it, is it is all focused on that. It is all centered upon Christ and His atoning work. So, that, you know, we, we can come up with... What we think, using our natural minds, we can come up with better stories. Um, in fact, we would if, if, if it had been up to us. We, didn't, we would have never devised uh, this story, uh, which, which, again, just shows our foolishness and God's wisdom. Um, we, we could, in our mind, come up with a better story, a better way. Um, but Paul says, no, um, I, you know, I, I stay with the truth. My message is Christ crucified. All right, so he's been... He's been Bringing that back to them. It's not about worldly wisdom, excellency of speech, um, sophistry. You know, it's not about those things. It's about Christ and Him crucified. So, in verse 4, he says, uh, remember, he says, when I came to you, I came in weakness. And verse 4 says, my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, meaning the wisdom of men, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And that's, he's going to have, have that in mind as we keep that verse in mind as we move through these next verses. Demonstration of the Spirit and power. So that, verse 5, that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's what we must rely upon, the power of God. That's the message that we must proclaim the, the Word of God. We, in other words, for, if we're going to reach out to people, we must trust in the power of God. <clears throat> we need to trust trust God. That's, that's the bottom line. Do things His way. 
So I'm going to pick up in verse 6 and read down through verse uh, 14. I think we'll stop there. So, um, my speech was not plausible wisdom of words. It came in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Yet, verse 6, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age, or the rulers of this age, who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him. So also... No one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. and He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Okay, a couple of, couple of things here, I think. Um, I want to. I want to just point back to a couple of verses here that I want us to keep in mind here, because I believe this is what Paul has in mind. He's, he's continuing his argument here. He hasn't. He hasn't shifted uh, in, into another another topic or something like that. One, uh, if you go all the way back to chapter one, verse twenty-one, for since in the wisdom of God. The world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. All right, the first part of that, since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, through, that is, through worldly wisdom, through the wisdom of men, like, like we see, uh, uh, or the wisdom of this age, the way he says it in verse chapter 2, verse 6. So, in the wisdom of God, and I think, I think what he's, you can view this a couple of ways. I think what he's saying is this is the way God determined it. This is the way God designed it. Um, so, so that, that would be, in other words, you can kind of paraphrase it this, this way. This is the way God decreed that things should be. You cannot know Him through worldly wisdom. Through the wisdom of the saved. You cannot come, and I think the idea being to a saving knowledge, you cannot come to a saving knowledge of God through the wisdom of this world. This is the way that God has 
design things. Um, another way to think of it is, and, and they're both workable, but I think the one I just mentioned is probably the correct view. But you could also look at that phrase this way. In the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. You could, you could view it this way. In the, to, again, to paraphrase, in the midst of the wisdom of God. In other words, while God is working out His wisdom, His plan, while His plan is, is being executed, being carried out, that is, um, all of redemption history, all the way up to the cross, and now in Paul's day and in our day, we're beyond the cross. We're on the other side of the cross. In the midst of all that, God's doing all that, and in the midst of all that, the world did not know God through the wisdom of this age. So the kind of the idea would kind of be this: that in in the in the midst, of, and of course we do see this in the New Testament, in the midst of what God was doing, the the suffering servant, Christ comes and. He, he lives out the righteous life and He suffers and dies for His people and He is raised again on the third day. And in the midst of all of that, people just miss it entirely. They did not come to know God even while all that was going on because they could not through, um, through worldly wisdom. They could not, in other words, without intervention. So, so keep that in mind, because I think this is part of what, what, what we were reading in verses 6 through 14, um, Paul is unpacking. In other words, this is God's design that the world could not know Him through worldly wisdom. And now He's, ex- he's expounding further on that. So, he says also, and one more I need to point out before we go on. Uh, chapter 2, we read this this morning, chapter 2, verse 4. My speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power. So keep that in mind as well. He's saying, my speech, the message I brought to you, came to you in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So people could not come to know God through worldly wisdom. So what it takes is the demonstration of God's Spirit and God's power. So Paul says, that's how my message came to you. In demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So again, I would say he's expounding on these things. And one key thing here that um, that Paul is, is bringing out as he as he unfolds his whole argument here is, the necessity of the Word, the Word of God, which he, he refers to here, for example, as the Word of the cross or as Christ crucified. The, or in verse uh, 6, he, he uh, um, yeah, in verse 6, he, he calls it wisdom, but, but not the wisdom of this age, but the Word of God, in other words. So the necessity of the Word of God, that is the message of the cross, Christ crucified, and, secondly, the necessity of the work of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And those two things are never separated. You can can have the Word, we do have the Word in, in written form right here, 
Um, I guess I have possessed a copy all of my life, as far as I know. I know when I was when I was five years old, I was ring bearer in my eldest sister's wedding, and I guess she was eighteen and I was five, and her and her new husband at the time um, gave to me as a reward for my my great performance. <laughs> In, in their wedding um, was a King James Bible that I have to this day. And it, it, uh, it basically, I, you know, for some reason, I, and I, I mentioned to you all before, um, before I was saved, it, 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 it's, I still had some kind of, I, I would say now, superstitious attraction to it. I mean, uh, uh, I, I, I treasured it in a, in a way, uh, not, not totally, totally the right way. But but I still I did see it as the Bible, the, the Word of God, and 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 uh, I think probably my thinking was more superstitious than anything. But you know, almost like a good luck charm. I can remember uh, going through some hard periods, and I and I and it it stayed on my close to my bed. Um, it would have helped a lot more if I opened it and read it, you know. But which I did occasionally. But but uh, but anyway, the point is this: you can have the Word. And even read the Word, which I strongly recommend, even, even to lost people. And read the Word without the work of the Spirit. You won't get the main message. You may, you may get a lot of things. You may, you may come away going, wow, you know, Jesus was clever. I mean, those Pharisees would try to put him on the spot, and he'd come back with a great answer. He was he was clever. Or 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 you may just come away um, with a with a intellectual um, kind of a I don't know how to say it other than just like a merely intellectual understanding of the narrative. There, okay, Jesus came and he died, and uh, supposedly people are saved through that. You, know, you, you you I mean, if you read it, you're going to get that obviously to some extent. Especially if you if you go to the trouble of memorizing it, but it's not going to have any real application to your heart and soul, and therefore no no radical effect on you as a person apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. You you cannot come at it totally with the wisdom of this age or with with mere human intellect and and know God. Alright, so it, you have to have the Word, but in addition to the Word, you have to have the Spirit. Now, we, we the Holy Spirit, the, the third person of the Trinity. And it, we can also turn that around and say it the other way. Um, because sometimes people uh, have, a, have a strange idea about what it means to be spiritual, and a strange idea about spirituality, and they tend to, and I've seen this, they, 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 it's not uncommon in our culture, even in, uh, among professing Christians, they tend to divorce spirituality from the Word. And, and you may get taught, well, you know, the Spirit led me to do this, or the Spirit spoke to me this or that, and it may be something that is in direct contradiction to what is revealed here. Well, that's there again, that's time for red flags. <laughs> because the Spirit 
and the Word always work in harmony. And it always takes both. Um, you know, I mean, I've heard anecdotal uh, stories, you know, somebody getting saved in some way, you know, without ever having seen a Bible or even heard the Gospel and so forth. I'm very skeptical of all of that. Because it seems to me when I read the New Testament, the Word has to be proclaimed in some way. It doesn't have to be like I'm doing right now. It doesn't have to be a Billy Graham crusade. It doesn't even have to be a Bible. I mean, as long as somebody's taking them this message from the Bible and telling them about Jesus, telling them about Christ and Him crucified, then uh, as long as that's happening, then okay. But, but apart from that, well, they, they saw an angel, and the, an angel. I'm, I'm, I'm very skeptical about all that. Because Paul clearly says in Romans that a preacher has to go. And again, that doesn't mean, you know, somebody of the ordained ministry. It just means somebody's got to go and proclaim the gospel. A, a herald, a preacher has to go. How shall they hear without a preacher? Right? And faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So, it's always the Word and the Spirit. And that's, that's what I think Paul is, is bringing out here. He keeps talking about um, the Word, the Word, the Word. The Word that I brought to you was Christ crucified. Or in, in, in one eighteen, the Word of the cross. The Word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But that's the Word that Paul is preaching. And so now, in chapter 2, it's like he, he moves more into the aspect of, of the... moves more into the area of the spiritual aspect of it. But, but both are necessary. The preaching of the Word and the work of the Holy Spirit. So the preaching of the Word, the Word of the cross, Christ crucified, and demonstration of the Spirit and a power. And I mentioned this morning that I think that's exactly what verse 4 is referring to. Demonstration of the Spirit. Not, not meaning signs and wonders, but meaning the work of the Spirit in individuals so that their lives are changed. That's the power of God. The demonstration of the Spirit and of the power. That is the power of God. So it's the Word and the Spirit. And so, and Paul says, the Word that I preached to you came with the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. The power of God. So it's always the Word and the Spirit. And not any Word. He's already made that clear, right? It's got to be what we have here, what we have here, Christ, the, the gospel, the gospel, Christ crucified, the word of the cross, Jesus come incarnate, living, suffering, dying at Calvary, raised again on the third day, seated at the right hand of the Father, coming again for His people and reigning forever and ever and ever. The word of the cross, Christ and Him crucified, that's the word. And the work of the Spirit. So, Paul says again in verse 6, Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. So he's, he's saying, I, I am, we are teaching wisdom here. We are imparting wisdom. It's all the more reason, uh, I would say, all of these passages where he's, um, where he's condemning their wisdom 
He's meaning the wisdom of men or the wisdom of this age, worldly wisdom. But there is a true wisdom. And Paul says we do impart that, the wisdom of God. Um, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. So, in other words, they're going to pass away and their wisdom is going to pass away, the wisdom of this age. But the wisdom that Paul is saying that I'm imparting to you, that me and Apollos and Cephas and others are imparting to you, the wisdom we are bringing to you is not going to pass away. It's eternal. It's the wisdom of God. But, verse 7, we impart a secret and hidden wisdom, a mystery, is what it's literally called there. We, we impart a mystery, secret and hidden wisdom. And when you see that word mystery in the, in the New Testament, as far as I know, in, in, in every case, it's talking about a mystery revealed. It's not, not something that we're, um, we're in the dark about, uh, necessarily. At least, when, when we're talking about the gospel, I mean, there are things that we don't, we don't uh, fully understand. And we, we, we see, like Paul says later in this book, you know, through a glass dimly. But in terms of salvation, it's, it, it has been made known to us, been clearly revealed. It, it is referred to several times as a mystery, but it means it has been hidden in the past and it is now made manifest. It's now it's like an unveiling when you go to, um, and I've never been to one, but you know you go to see a, a statue, a sculpture <laughs> presented, and they have the unveiling, and that's the idea usually behind this word mystery. It's it was hidden, but now it's unveiled, and so Paul says that's what we're bringing to you. We impart a mystery, a secret, and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. So God decreed it before the ages, and it's been hidden, it's been concealed, but now He's made it known. And it's, in a nutshell, again, it's, it's the gospel, it's the word of the cross, it's Christ and Him crucified, it is salvation through the life, atoning, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, He goes on to say, verse 8, nevertheless, it was hidden from the world, right? And none of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Okay, so, it, so it's a mystery. It's hidden. It's, it's concealed. But you just said it's now revealed. And yet, Paul says none of the rulers of this age understood it. Why didn't they understand it if it's revealed? Well, he's, he's getting to that. So... It's, it, it, it's been revealed, but to some, it's still hidden. And Paul even says, if they had, and I've always thought this is a very interesting statement, if they had understood this, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So, the, so there is a sense in which they did what they did in ignorance. Not that, not that they're not culpable, not that they weren't, Evil, I say they, really we're all, we all bear responsibility, right, for, 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 the, uh, for the crucifixion of Christ, don't we? Because he, he was put to death for our sin. So it's not that we, we weren't evil, it's not that we, we, we don't uh, bear the responsibility of our sin, we do. But 
those who um, did it, especially in thinking about those who actually were there hands-on, there is a sense in which they did it in ignorance. Paul even says that of, of himself, um, talking about his pre-salvation state. Um, he, I, was, I was ignorant. And Jesus said from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And Paul clearly says here, they, they didn't understand. And if they understood, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So here's the thing. It, it's, it's revealed, Paul is saying, I'm, I'm imparting to you a mystery which has been hidden from the ages. It is now made manifest. Nevertheless, the rulers of this age did not understand. That is, it remained hidden from them. They didn't understand because if they had understood, they would not have crucified the Lord. The Lord of glory. I think, again, that's just his way of saying it. It's obvious they didn't understand. It, or, say it this way, it's obvious it wasn't revealed to them. It was not made known to them. But, as it is written, verse 9, and he quotes here from, uh, from Isaiah 64, um, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, I think one reason he, he uses that passage, maybe more than one, but I think one reason he uses that passage is because everything he's been saying here about worldly wisdom. And in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. That is, you couldn't even think or imagine what God is doing, what He's at work doing. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. His, his thoughts are so far above ours. His ways are so much higher than ours. That in and of ourselves, in, in just through mere human intellect and worldly wisdom, we could never conceive of what God is doing in behalf of His people. And I've heard this verse countless times applied to the eternal state, heaven. Eye has not seen or ear heard, nor the heart of man, nor has entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love Him. And people say, see, we, we, we don't know. We don't know what awaits us. We can't know. Well, there's some truth. To, there's some truth to that, but I, that's that's not what Paul's saying here. He's talking about the gospel, the the revealing of the gospel, and he doesn't say that we don't know it. He says that we didn't know it. Look at verse ten. These things, that is, what I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor nor has even entered into the heart of man, uh, or man has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him, these things God has revealed to us through His Spirit. He's not saying to Christians, look, you don't have a clue what God has prepared for those who love Him. No. He says, these things didn't come from the mind of man. The mind of man could have never devised these things, could have never attained to these things on our own. 
We could have never conceived of these things, but, <laughs> but God has revealed them to us. He's made them known. He's unveiled it. It's a mystery revealed through the Spirit. That is, the Holy Spirit. Through the Spirit. So God has now unveiled, revealed what He has prepared for those who love Him. And He has revealed it through His Spirit. The demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That is, the Spirit of God working in the lives of individuals, giving them understanding of salvation through Jesus Christ. Giving them understanding of what God is doing in our behalf. So, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. So, you've got the Word and the Spirit. Word of the cross, Christ crucified, <coughs> the wisdom of God, he calls it, and the Spirit, the power of God, the demonstration of the Spirit. God has revealed these things to us. They were hidden from the rulers of this age. They didn't know them. Paul says, you know them. He's saying that to the, to the Corinthians. He with all of his reputation, refuting them for their, for their wrong-headedness, for their wrong thinking, for their wrong focus. You're, you're getting your eyes set on the wrong things. And, he, and he's trying to bring them back. Look at, what, look at what God has done in His wisdom. I came preaching the cross, and that changed your life. Why do you want to, why do you want to veer away from it now? And, and you, want, you want wisdom you want wisdom? Well, Paul says, this, this is the true wisdom. Even the rulers of this age could not attain to it. But God has made it known to you through His Spirit. For the Spirit, again in verse 10, for the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. In Romans 8, Paul says, the Spirit searches our hearts. <laughs> nothing, nothing is hidden from Him. He searches everything. He's, he searches our hearts. He knows our hearts. And here, Paul says, He searches even the depths of God. Because He's the Spirit of God. And Paul gives a little parallel here, a little analogy. Verse 11, For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person? In other words, you, who, who knows your thoughts? Well, there, I, you know, I saw a commercial the other day. You call these um, the psychics of the stars or something like that, and they, they'll tell they'll tell you all about you, right? And I've always thought, you know, if they know that much, why don't they call me? I mean, they ought to they ought to know my number and they ought to know how to get a hold of me and what I need, right? Why should I have to call them? And spend all that money. Um, nobody knows your thoughts except you, your spirit, your inner, your inner being. You know, in the, in, down in the depths of yourself, 
And you know things nobody else knows about you. Now, Paul's just using that to say, nobody knows God better than the Spirit of God. He searches the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. You hear that? Nobody comprehends the, the, the thoughts of God. Worldly wisdom won't, won't do it. The wisdom of this age, the greatest philosophers, the greatest scientists, the greatest moral teachers cannot attain to the thoughts of God. Nobody comprehends, nobody grasps, nobody attains to those things except the Spirit of God. So, if we are to know anything of those things, it has to be imparted to us through the Spirit. So, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. Boy, is that not a message for the church today. Sometimes, you know, we're like James and John. We, we, we forget what Spirit we're of. And Paul says, <laughs> we haven't received the Spirit of this world. Or again in Romans, you've not received a, a spirit of bondage again to fear. You've been made a son. You've received the spirit of adoption. Or here he says, you've received the spirit of God. That we might understand. See, in verse 8, the rulers of this age did not understand. But Paul says about us, about the Corinthians and about us, we receive the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. That's, that's going to be important as he goes on to deal with the Corinthians as well, because they, they get puffed up thinking that somehow they didn't receive these things that they have. They, somehow they, they, they earned them, or I don't know, they're smarter than other people. And we, we're always in danger of that as well. You know, we, we look on people, we see people in the world, and we think um, very quickly, very easily, we can fall into the pharisaical mindset, Lord, I thank You that I'm not like that person over there. Thank You, Lord. As though we didn't receive freely our understanding from God. Freely meaning we didn't do a thing for it. We didn't do a thing to earn it. No brownie points. It's just just freely bestowed. So Paul says, He's given us the Spirit from God that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom. Again, there's the contrast. It's not human wisdom. It's, this is the wisdom of the Spirit of God, from God. Not by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. Taught by the Spirit. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Now again, 
What Paul is talking about being taught here is, is everything that's right here. You could say, well, you know what? I don't need, I see right there, Paul says we're taught by the Spirit. I don't need the Bible. I don't need the Bible. I can just be taught by the Spirit. Now, the way that the Spirit teaches us is by opening up the Word of God to us, giving us understanding of the message that Paul has been talking about here. The Gospel, the Word, the Word of the cross, Christ crucified. And so there again, you, know, you, you go the other stream. I don't need the Spirit, I've got the Word. No, you, you've got to have the Word and the Spirit. It is the Spirit opening up or giving understanding, as Paul says it here, of the Word, the message, the message of the cross. It's foolishness, Paul said, to those who are perishing, but to us who believe it's the power, power of God. Why is that? Because the Spirit of God has given us understanding. That is, He has applied it to our hearts. So, verse 14. Boy, this is such a crucial verse, and um, maybe we'll come back to it. We don't, we don't have time to, to, much time to spend on it tonight. <clears throat> the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are folly to Him. That's what He's been saying all along, right? The world looks at the Gospel and says, ah, that's foolishness. Here, He refers to them as the natural person. I think what He's talking about is anybody in their unregenerate state. So, in other words, a lost person. A person who does not know Christ a person who does not have the Spirit of God at work in them would, would fit this description. That's, that's the, the natural person, the natural man. All they have to go on is the natural realm, you know, just human reason, human wisdom, the wisdom of this age. There's no enlightenment from the Spirit of God. So, that, so they're the natural person. And Paul says the natural person does not accept or receive the things of the Spirit of God. Now, how did, how did God make His, His salvation known to us? The, the things that He has prepared for those who love Him? How did He make those things known to us? Through the Spirit. But the natural man does not receive the Spirit, the things of the Spirit of God, Paul says. For they are foolishness to Him. Now, not, not only, not only is, is the gospel not included in that, I would say that, that is exactly what Paul's talking about here. So, when people say that a lost person has an innate ability to hear and receive the gospel, I would say this verse flies in the face of that idea. It's exactly what Paul is saying cannot happen. When he says spiritual things here are the things of the Spirit, um, it seems to me that he has specifically in mind the gospel. Because he says, for they are folly to him. And that is exactly what he said about the word of the cross back in 118. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. So those who are perishing are synonymous with the natural person. That is, anybody outside of Christ. Anybody that has not been saved, 
Anybody unregenerate that is not born again, as Jesus says in John 3, cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are folly to Him, and He is not able to understand them. So, so a lost person does not have the ability to understand spiritual things. And the Gospel, the message of Christ crucified is a spiritual thing. If that's not a spiritual thing, I don't know what is a spiritual thing. And a person in their lost condition, the unregenerate person, is not able, that's strong language there, does not have the power. The word translated able there or cannot is, uh, is the word dunamis, where we get our word dynamite. In other words, they don't have the power to understand things of the Spirit of God. Because they are spiritually discerned. That is, the things of the Spirit of God are spiritually discerned. So, for example, the rulers of this age that Paul refers to did not understand because they were not able to receive to grasp, to comprehend what God was doing. They had been, Paul said, they would not have killed the Lord, the Lord of glory. They were not able. These things are only revealed through the Spirit. Now, Paul doesn't go into um, a, a, a description here of regeneration, but, but let me say again, I, I would say it is hinted at Again, back in verse 4, my speech and my message were not plausible words of wisdom, but demonstration of the Spirit and of power. In other words, lives were changed. The Spirit of God regenerated people. So, so here's the bottom line on, on, on receiving the things of the Spirit. In this case, believing is what Paul's talking about. Believing the Gospel. Seeing the wisdom of God in the message of Christ crucified. How is it that some people do and some people don't? He clearly says, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who believe, or to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. What is the difference? Why do, why do some See it as foolishness and not understand, and some understand and, and know it as the power of God. Not only see it and understand it as the power of God, experience it as the power of God. And it, the difference is a work of God, the demonstration of God's Spirit and of His power. The natural man cannot, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. So, how do you change his mind on that? Well, we don't, but God does. By changing his nature from natural man to 
the spiritual man. That is, you're, you're born again. The person has to be born again. Now, as I said, Paul doesn't go into all that here. It just seems to me that it is hinted at strongly. I mean, that it's understood. I, th- I think when he, when he speaks of uh, the demonstration of spirit and power, they know what he's talking about. And it's the same thing that, like I read to you this morning from 1 Thessalonians 1.5. You, you turn to God from idols, and now you wait for the Lord, for the Son of God. Because they've been born again. Because now they understand. And he says similar things about the Corinthians here. In chapter 1, he refers to them as called to be saints. And then he says in chapter 1, verse 5, uh, verse 4 and 5, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in Him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed among you. They were born again. That's what Paul's reminding him of. You were, you were born again by the power of the Spirit. God has demonstrated His power in you. And this is why you understand. And don't move off of that. Don't, don't go now, go chasing after the wisdom of this world when it's not going to accomplish anything. It's not going to get you anywhere. What changed your life is the Gospel. The message of Christ crucified. That's the wisdom of God. It's foolishness to the world, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. They don't understand. We do understand. Because of the work of the Spirit. These things are spiritually discerned. He's showing the vanity of worldly wisdom. You're not going to scale the heights of the knowledge of God through worldly wisdom. These things are spiritually discerned, Paul is saying. And through the rest of this epistle, he's going to be talking about what it means to really be spiritual, because obviously they've got a a, a wrong idea about that. They're thinking it consists of things like worldly wisdom. Ah, if we can gain, you know, we can be smarter than everybody else and speak better than everybody else and have a better story than everybody. You know, we are the spiritual ones. We're the enlightened. We're the elite. We're the initiated. Paul is saying no. (laughs) Stay with the cross. Stay with Christ crucified. That's the true wisdom of God. And that's true spirituality. I'm glad for you, Paul says. I'm glad for you that you've got gifts, even gifts of the Spirit. I'm glad that God has endowed you and and that, uh, as he says in chapter 1, you've been enriched in Him in all of these things, speech and knowledge and so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift. I'm glad about all of that, but don't leave... The main thing. Don't get all caught up in that and lose sight of the cross. Don't get all caught up in that and lose sight of Christ. Don't fall in love with the gifts and out of love with the giver. Stay with the Word and the true work of the Spirit. 
That is, stay with the Gospel. Stay with the Gospel and the true work of the Spirit. These things are spiritually discerned. I've got to stop there. But Lord willing, we'll pick up in verse 15 next time. The Word and the Spirit takes both. Why are we here? Why are we where we are? Why do we know Christ? Why do we understand what God has prepared for those who love Him? Because God has revealed it to us in the message of the Gospel. Christ and Him crucified. And He's unveiled that message to us through His Spirit. So that we don't just read it, but that we understand it. We perceive it. It it is effective in our hearts. And by the way, even if you go back and read Isaiah 64 that Paul quotes from there, he starts out by crying out for revelation. Rend the heavens, O Lord, and come down, Isaiah says. Because he knows that the only way this people, in his case, the people of Israel, the only way this people are going to really know you, really see you, have have some kind of... uh, True vision, true understanding about you like, like Isaiah himself did in chapter 6. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. He knows the only way that's going to happen is if God makes Himself known. And that's what He prays for in Isaiah 64. And that's what Paul is saying has to happen here. And that's still what has to happen today. God chose through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. He does that through the work of His Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we do thank You for Your Word and for the work of Your Spirit within us. Initially bringing us to Christ, making Yourself known to us, and now continually opening up knowledge about You growing us in that knowledge and in grace, keeping us, guarding us, protecting us, even interceding for us. Father, we pray for ability by Your grace to, to be more sensitive to the work of Your Spirit within us, Lord, so that we may um, grow and that we are more sensitive. That we may truly say, like, like John, I must decrease and You must increase. May that be our, our heart's cry. May You have your, your way within us for our good and for Your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304. Highway 80, Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.